Hey guys, welcome back to Epic Soup's Punchline. Welcome to episode 3 of the Punchline. Wow, we made it to episode 3. Thank you guys for all the support you guys are giving me. Thank you guys for listening and sticking through with me. Still kind of new at this, but definitely getting getting the hang of things. If you guys are new here, I am on multiple platforms. Um, I'm on Twitter, underscore Epic Soup, underscore YouTube, just Epic Soup. Twitch, The Epic Soup, Instagram, Epic Soup, TikTok, underscore, Epic Soup, underscore. All right, so we got a couple of things to talk about in this episode, um, including Multiverses uh, being one of the best-selling games, um, some more Embracer Group acquisitions, obscure Sega games turning into movies, Death Stranding, and Xbox, um, Toys for Bob, and a couple of... Uh, I got another, I don't got a top 10 this week, but I do got some, uh, a list of six games that I think should get a sequel. Stay tuned if you guys want to hear about it. And then for our main segment, um, I'm going to be talking about consoles abandoned from the beginning by their companies. So here we go. First thing I want to talk about is Multiverses being July's best-selling game beating Elden Ring and Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga. So... Multiverse is a free-to-play game, right? So you may be wondering, how the heck did it get to the top of the charts if it's free? Um, so the main income for Multiverse is the Founders Pack, um, which players could purchase to give themselves access to more playable characters and a bunch of in-game currency. The Standard Pack comes in about $32 to $33. The Deluxe Pack is about $50, and the Premium Pack is about $80. While they are totally optional, um, it would appear that people are just wanting the extra characters, which, I mean, if you're going to get a free-to-play game with there's extra characters, this is a smart way to do it. Um, the game is about the same type of game as Super Smash Bros. Um, and the Nickelodeon All-Star Battle Royal, and among those likes. So they're very, very popular and, and really, really easy to get into. You could give those games to like a, someone who's never played a fighting game. You tell them, hey, this button is a light attack, this one's a heavy attack, here's how you jump, here's how you grab, here's how you block. And they're going to get the hang of it pretty quick just by playing a couple of rounds. So it's not too bad or hard to get into, especially with the list of characters this game has, um, from Shaggy to Batman to Adventure Time characters like Finn and Jake to LeBron James, some DC characters, Superman, Wonder Woman you know, Bugs Bunny, Tom and Jerry, and probably more to come in future updates to the game. So it's a very appealing game. I personally haven't played it, but it looks really, looks really, really fun. Um, and then upcoming characters here, you know, Morty from Rick and Morty, and Rick from Rick and Morty, Black Adam, Stripe from the Gremlins. It's a lot. Um, this free game does come a lot, so I could see the appeal of why people will want the Founders Pack. Therefore, you know, it's, it's, for the price, that's not bad either. It's basically paying for a game that costs less than Super Smash Brothers, which is going for 60 bucks right now. And what, the starting cost is about $30? That's not bad at all. And on the list of, of many, many gaming acquisitions, um, none is other, none is more on top than Embracer Group and their acquisition galore. They just acquired Middle-Earth Enterprises, who owns licensing rights to Lord of the Rings. Now, that's a big deal. Um, Lord of the Rings is a pretty big franchise of movies. You know, they have a cartoon, and that's 
that's crazy. Um, so, so they could do a lot. Um, they plan on doing a bunch of board games and just you know more movies and stuff, and probably a bunch of video games. Um, Embracer also has, in this past couple of months, acquired you know development studios Crystal Dynamics, Ados Montreal, Square Enix Montreal, and a catalog of IPs. Like, really big IPs. I'm talking about Tomb Raider, Deuce X, Thief, Legacy of Kane, and, and just a bunch more that just belonged to Square Enix. Um, I think just Square Enix is just ready to give those up because they're looking for a sell. They're looking for someone to buy them because right now, I don't think they're doing too hot. But, you know, Embracer Group is taking names. I wouldn't even be surprised if they take some of, like, we just wake up one morning and they take a company like, let's say, freaking Platinum or something because they aren't doing too well either. But I think their main goal is, so there, there's a bunch of just Swedish rich people just snapping up all these all these development teams. And some of them even have to take like loans out from banks just to purchase them. So I think their end goal for this is once they got enough studios or that they're finally satisfied... They're just going to start making a bunch of games. They're, gonna, they're talking about trying to release at least 200 games each year to, you know, to make up all that money. Um, but if they rush those games, at least they're not going to make all that money back. Nobody's going to be trusting them. So they just need to focus on making good games if they really want to make all that money back. Hopefully they don't come into this and thinking, oh, it's just video games. Video games make money. Let's just make a quick game for a quick buck. Like, yes, that works for some people, but you guys seen how Rushed Games turns out. You guys seen how Cyberpunk 2077 was released. They don't want a game like that, because that, that ruins the company right there. And they're going to be like, oh, it's a game from these studios? Yeah, no. No. So hopefully they work hard. Um, Hopefully this works out for them. THQ Nordic was, you know, everyone's childhood. So they, I hope they know what they're doing. Next up, um, Sega Games is turning some of their the franchises we haven't seen in years, I mean years, into movies like Sonic the Hedgehog. So um, there's two movies that they want to make, there's two games that they want to make into movies, one of them being Com- Comics Zone and Space Channel 5. Sega Vice President Shuji Unsumi is overseeing both films while Toru Nakahara the producer of the recent Sonic the Hedgehog movies is joining as executive producer. So, you know, the Sonic the Hedgehog movies are, are, are pretty successful, in my opinion. They're doing really good, especially the last one that came out. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 was fire. Can't wait for Sonic the Hedgehog 3. So they're in good hands. Um, comic Zone was a pretty popular game on the Sega Genesis. It was a side-scrolling game starring a comic book artist who was pulled into his unfinished book by a villain he created. The movie seems to be following that plot. I could see it. I'll be down to watch that. That sounds very interesting to me. Um, I think that movie would do well, especially if people like have nostalgia for it. I personally never played Comic Zone, but the the Vermont I'm reading here it sounds very interesting. Space Channel Five was released in 2002 on the Sega Dreamcast, which followed reporter Ulala, who worked for a news channel where she reports on an alien invasion while also trying to fight them herself. So kind of like a Superman plot where he's just a reporter, you know, has a regular job, but if he sees crime, he's going to square up. You know what I'm saying? So this looks very interesting too. Um, I'm more interested in the comics zone one, but I feel like they both have the potential to be pretty good. 
Um, just not sure if the game's audiences are still there or like people probably much people probably probably still remember them. I just they just pretty old. Like this is the first time I'm hearing about them honestly. Like Comic Zone sounds familiar. Space Channel Five, like the character looks really familiar from the old, you know, Sega Dreamcast commercials or whatever. But I just never knew what those games are about. But, you know, hopefully Hopefully Sega pulls this off. They've been trying a lot of funky stuff lately, and you know, I I think this is what they need to do. Cause Sega, I always liked Sega. I always liked Sega, even through their bad times. I I always stuck to them, except for Sonic Forces. We don't talk about Sonic Forces. Death Stranding is heading to Xbox Game Pass. The game is coming out to PC Game Pass August twenty third. It's not going to be the director's cut version like the PlayStation Four got. It was originally a PlayStation 4 exclusive in 2019, and then later arrived to PC through Steam and the Epic Game Store. Now it's dropping onto Game Pass, so if you have a Game Pass subscription, go ahead and try that out, because that game is beautiful. I never played it, but I've seen gameplay, and you know some YouTubers I, I watched played it. Um, it is the first time it's coming to a Microsoft platform through Game Pass. Um, the game is published by Sony Interactive, so you know, that was a... Maybe a whole mess, but at the same time, I don't think so. Um, Sony is is just shared a statement with Push Square stating that uh, matters relating to the PC release of Death Stranding are managed by Kojima Productions and 505 Games, and that Sony Interactive Entertainment has no involvement with this promotion. So I know last week we touched a little bit how Sony is like there's claims of Sony paying developers to stop putting games on Game Pass and preventing them from doing all that. But a week later, here we are, and Death Stranding is coming to Game Pass. So that's it's like, like who do I believe? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but this is good. This is good. Um, I just, Exclusivity is good because it makes competition. But at the same time, the game's already on PC. Sony already let this game go to PC. You know Microsoft gave them a big check just to put it on Game Pass. So I don't I don't see like people are like, "Oh, oh, it's a Sony game. What is it doing on a Game Pass?" Guys, we already had a Sony game on Game Pass. MLB the Show 22 came to Game Pass. It's not the first time this is happening. I know that was a different deal, but like guys, Sony Santa Monica makes those games. Sony Santa Monica. It's not a big deal, guys. Like I said, Sony probably got a cut of this it's free money basically why 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 would it be a big deal it's not a big deal let's let sony take this one you know more game the game is in more places more opportunities for people to play it's fine it is totally fine and then our last news of the gaming moments of the week is toys for bob teasing something new um activision studio that was moved from making, you know, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro games to help with Call of Duty. Um, posted a picture on Twitter with pictures of their older games on a wall and asked if we can name all the games. And then finished the tweet with, you know, it's pretty convenient we have more wall space to cover. Here is a short list of the games they worked on. They previously worked on Skylanders, Toy to Life series, the Spyro Reignited trilogy, the Crash Bandicoot remasters in Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time. So hopefully they make more games. I would love to see a new Skylanders, maybe with less toys, but 
you know, Skylanders was fun back in the day. If they could make a Spyro 4 in the same, like, you know, gameplay and stuff as the Reunited Trilogy, that would be awesome. Just like they did for Crash Bandicoot 4. I wouldn't be surprised if they're even working on a new Crash Bandicoot. And who knows? They're about to be, you know, fully owned by Microsoft. Who's to say they can't make a Banjo-Kazooie game? Can you imagine a Banjo-Kazooie game? Like, remaster the first ones on the N64, bring those up to modern graphics, and then release it alongside a new one. An actual proper Crash Bandicoot game. Not the ones we got on the Xbox 360. Like a proper Crash Bandicoot game. That would be fire. I never played them, but I would definitely try them out. If they release a trailer for a new Crash Bandicoot, I'm playing the first two. I got them on Game Pass. I will play them. Awesome, awesome. So those are all the news uh, that happened this week, video game news. Um, next segment, we are talking about six games that should get a sequel. Um, honestly, it's just... It's usually, it, it would be it would be 10. I just couldn't think of 10 games because everything I thought about already had a sequel, a prequel, or something is releasing. So number six, I got... By the way, by the way, these are not in order. These, these, this list, this top six to ten list, is never going to be in order. But I got Sonic Adventure. And I was saying, yo, we got Sonic Adventure too. I know, I know. I'm talking about Sonic Adventure 3. I know Sonic 06 was, I guess, is, 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 is in, in a way a Sonic Adventure 3. But it's not a proper Sonic Adventure 3. I want a Sonic Adventure 3 where I get to play as multiple characters... But don't make the map, like, have it like a flat map where you select stages. I want it like Sonic Adventure, like the first one, where you had, like, a little open, mini open world. It was, like, what, four different areas. You just go around and go to your objective that way, and you could even do, like, some side stuff. I know Sonic Frontiers is coming out, but we're not going to be playing as Tails. We're not going to be playing as Knuckles. You know, and it, it 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 just doesn't have the Sonic Adventure vibe. You guys know what the Sonic Adventure vibe is. I want to go through fast, sprawling levels as Sonic, big open world levels as Tails, fly around, you know, have the Emerald missions or, you know, finding things as Knuckles. Shoot, bring back Shadow the Hedgehog and have him have his own story. And then eventually they all just connect into one main story. For it to be like, you know, the final levels. I want those those type of games back. And if you can't do that, give me a Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 bundle remaster. I will take that happily. You know, make some improvement of life fixes. And we got a pretty solid game that I would definitely buy for $60. Number 5 on my list, give me Super Mario Odyssey 2. Where is that at? That game came out in 2017, like a, what, a month or something after the Switch released. And we haven't heard anything about another 3D Mario game. Well, we got the 3D All-Star Collection, which was, it was fun. I, I beat all those games. But those are games I already played before on the N64, the GameCube, and the Wii. I don't know how many times I've played Super Mario Sunshine in my life. Probably too many to count. But... You know, Sunshine is actually my favorite 3D Mario game, but Odyssey, oh my gosh, Odyssey's gameplay, yes, give me that. They could expand on that so much, make Mario, you know, transition into an actual open world, 
Like, I know we kind of got that with the re-release of Super Mario 3D World with Bowser's Fury, but I, I want more. Where is my Super Mario Odyssey Breath of the Wild moment? <laughs> like, I need that. If you bring back Cappy, honestly, this is what they should do. They should, they should pull... You guys remember what they did on the Super Mario 64 Nintendo DS version? How each you would go into, like, the world, and they would have, like caps you can collect from like the enemies or whatever it's sort of similar to that so they should have these throw you in the open world and either have you have cappy flood or whatever mario using galaxy i don't know what the heck he's using he has he had a bunch of power-ups in galaxy actually but you know have it where you could switch like maybe go back to like a main world or your ship or whatever switch to Cappy if you want to use Cappy and or switch to Flood depending on your playstyle and make the worlds, you know, be able for those options. If not, just bring back either or just leave it as the power ups as Galaxy, but like kinda have like the same mechanics as 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 Odyssey and just, just throw you into this world with the mixture of Bowser's Fury. I don't, I don't, I don't know if that made any sense, but I'm just, I'm just trying to put my imagination out there. I just want a Mario Breath of the Wild game, <laughs> literally. Yo, next up, I got another Sonic game on here. Give me Sonic Heroes 2. Where's Sonic Heroes 2 at? Now that is one of my my all time classics right there. Sonic Heroes. I can go back and play those games like it's the first time I ever played them in my life. Um, I know they're not the best controlling ones, but Sonic Heroes could have better controls, tighter controls, you know, a better story that you won't have to replay the same levels over and over again, unless that's an option. Like, let's say, like, Team Dark has a specific set of levels, but let's say you beat those levels or you get to the end of the game. Oh, now you can go back and play this level with any team and see how you do. You know, give each team different stats, like how Team Rose, you know, Amy ran slower. With Team Chaotix, XPO disappear and all that. And, you know, how they had the special the special moves that just destroyed and nuked everything on screen. I think it could work. It could work in that style. I haven't thought about this. And this list I had, I took no notes. I'm just talking. I'm just, I'm just talking. And I just noticed I have another sort of Sonic game on here. I got Shadow the Hedgehog. <laughs> um, it, the, the first one was a mess. I like the concept of Shadow having his own game. I know Sega was trying to have, like, you know, a game series separate to Sonic, something that was more edgy with guns and all that. And I think it could have worked with Shadow the Hedgehog. I just don't think it was implemented properly. Maybe if it had, like, a bit more linear, more story-driven experience, it could have worked. But then they started doing this whole like a bunch of separate timelines it had like what eight different endings or something like that it, it got very confusing like each level you could like select neutral where you just make it to the goal and you could just beat the game that way you play through eight levels make it to the goal that way but in each level you could either pick to be on the hero side which had you you know defeat enemies or whatever and then you had the dark side which had you defeat like the military from protecting the earth and you know, the dark dude, uh, what's his name? He, he was with the alien dude. Basically, try to destroy and take over the world. And then you had the ending where you beat them all or something. 
and 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 shadows an android or something like that but then and one and one ending he's not an android he's the real thing so it was it was a mess it was a mess i don't think we i don't think to this day we know the the true ending of shadow the hedgehog and that is why we need a proper shadow the hedgehog if you can make it if you want to call it shadow the hedgehog 2 you can if you just want to call it shadow the hedgehog but forget about the old one that's fine with me too i just think shadow deserves a second chance next up i need the sequel this is never going to happen, by the way, unless we're, you know, 10 years from now where they want to go back to this generation. But knowing how Game Freak did Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, I hope I said those right. Um, Next game in this list is Pokemon X and Y. Give me Z. Po where is Pokemon Z? What happened to Pokemon Z? The long rumored Pokemon Z. I know I'm years late, but bro, X and Y needed Pokemon Z. <laughs> Just like how Diamond and Pearl needed Platinum. Z could have completed a bunch of quests, could have added more things to the world, more Pokemon, you know, maybe come up with more original legendaries. I don't know. I just feel like X and Y could have been the Emerald to Sapphire and Ruby. Like, you know, Sapphire and Ruby were great, but Emerald completed that generation, let's be honest. Um, X and Y could have had the Battle Frontier. You know, they, they could have done so much with X and Y. Um, I mean, in Z version for X and Y, that just could have made a more, a more complete experience. I liked X and Y, don't get me wrong. I just wish it had a little bit more. And then final final game. Final game on my six games that should get a sequel. We're talking about Star Fox Adventures. I know there's rumors that I think Nintendo wants a third party to work on an older IP from the GameCube generation and Star Fox Adventures came up. They don't have to do Star Fox Adventures. I think Star Fox Adventures are solid, is a solid game the way it is. Could it use an HD, you know, move up to current systems? Yes. But if you were even to go back to play on the GameCube or play on a Dolphin emulator, that game looks phenomenal and it ran at 60 frames per second on the GameCube. I think the game is fine. I think the game is fun. I just need more. Um, I feel like they could have. I feel like in the second game, you would be able, or they, sh you should be able to, play as both Fox and Crystal because Crystal was just mainly trapped through the most of the game. Like you get her staff, you learn a little bit about her, but you don't learn enough. I know they try to like make more of a story on that Star Fox game on the Nintendo DS, but I, I doubt people would remember that these days because I, I never played that. I never played that DS game. I want a proper sequel to Star Fox Adventures. I want a bigger world. I want to see Tricky again. You know, deepen him up, not that he's older, whatever. And and make Star uh make Fox and Crystal work as a team throughout the game to Can we actually get a fight with General Scales? <laughs> like we never got to fight the dude. Um the final boss, if you haven't played Star Fox Adventures, it's been like 20-something years or some, something like that. We never fight the, the the big villain who was introduced at the beginning of the game. We fight Andros. Like, we never fought General Scales. Alright, so those are the six games that I think should get a sequel. Um, let's move on to our main segment of the episode. Is consoles abandoned from the beginning? So I got three consoles here. We're going to talk about each of them, what happened, why it went wrong, what I think about them now. So first up, let's talk about 
one of the famous, more famous consoles that that just got given up and was kind of doomed from the start. Let's talk about the Sega Dreamcast, ladies and gentlemen. It was originally released in 1999 and was the successor of of another failed system that just that Sega didn't treat right. Um, I'm not going to talk about that certain system in this episode. We could talk about it in the future if you guys want, but but the Sega Dreamcast was the successor of the Sega Saturn. Um, the Dreamcast, the Dreamcast had four controller ports and a controller. The controller had one left analog stick, a D-pad and a tiny removable screen that you could interact with on some games. So sort of like Sonic Adventure 2, um, there was this little machine where you could transfer your chowl into the little mini mini Game Boy looking thing, and you could just take it with you on the go, come back, put it on the controller, and then it would transfer back to the system. It was successful at launch, but it was dead from the beginning because the PlayStation 2 was launching a year later. Instead of buying a Dreamcast, people would rather wait a year or a couple of months for the PlayStation 2. Sega at one point said they needed to sell 5 million units by the end of the year 2000 to remain a viable platform, but they only managed to read 3 million units sold. So console-wise, that's not a lot compared to another console on this list, which also failed. Nowadays, a Dreamcast is, is loved by tons, and it's a great collectible item. And the modding scene for the Dreamcast is is fun. It's fun, um, because you could just basically rip your games onto a regular CD or a DVD. I mean, and I'm pretty sure you don't have to do anything to the Dreamcast itself. It would just read the disc. The drift. Uh, the Dreamcast also had like a pretty pretty modern menu, like it had like what a clock. I think you could watch videos or just listen to CDs on it. And the games ran they the games were just really pretty on the Dreamcast. I never owned one. Um I played with one. But it was it was very ahead of its time where the Nintendo 64 was still around. And you had games like Ocarina of Time released on the Nintendo 64 just a year earlier. So the Dreamcast was was pretty powerful. For it to be along the Nintendo 64 and the original PlayStation. Too bad it was just doomed because Sony was just ready to release the PlayStation 2, which just killed everything that generation. Next up, um, I actually own this system to this day, and I still use it. Um, It's the PlayStation Vita, and it is the successor to the PlayStation Portable, the PSP. Everybody knows the PSP. Um, the Vita launched in February 2012 with the OLED touchscreen display along with the touchpad in the rear of the system. It also added a right analog stick that the original PlayStation system was missing. It introduced remote play with PlayStation 4, which lets you play PlayStation 4 games through the internet, basically. Um, how remote play is now with cell phones and PCs. The, the Vita did it first on the PS3. Um... Sony did a really bad job marketing the system, which led to its downfall. Um, It also came with a proprietary memory stick, which was pretty expensive. Scratch that. It's still super expensive to to get your hands on one of these. Luckily, I got mine, which came with a 4GB one. And I just modded it. 
you know, um, it's a great system for modding. The modding scene for the Vita is crazy. They ported San Andreas, the mobile version, to the Vita. It runs really smooth, and they added texture packs and lighting from the PlayStation 2. So you get the whole PlayStation 2 experience on a little portable machine. You know, I'd be playing my Pokemon games on there through the Game Boy Advance. Vita games are a lot of fun. The Uncharted for the Vita is a lot of fun. I'm playing through that as well. They brought some Call of Duty's Kill Zone, which was one of the launch titles. Looked showcased the Vita really well with its all its features, the touchscreen, the graphic compatibility. Imagine having a portable PlayStation 3. That's what the Vita tried to be. It was unfortunately discontinued in March 2019. Um, Sony is ready to shut the store off. I just wish the Vita was treated like the PSP was. Sony kind of released it and just didn't do all that they could with it. I feel like it could have had a chance that they had properly marketed and tried to sell you the system. Like, I know it was around the time where, you know, tablets were becoming a thing and, and there was a bunch of mobile games. It was like a mobile game boom. But I just feel like the Vita could have fit in somewhere. People look back at it now and they're like, wow, Vita is actually pretty good. Where were y'all back then? I mean, I know I was a late, I know I was a late adopter, but I always wanted one. I just wasn't able to ever get one until recently. But it, I use it, I use it almost every day. And then the final system that we got on this, you know, there's definitely more failed systems out there, which you know, they could be another, they could be at another episode. But I wanted to pick three for now, just because the time constraints. I want to keep the podcast at a certain, you know, time frame. That is none other than the Wii U, the Wii U system, Nintendo system. It is a successor to one of the best-selling systems, the Nintendo Wii. It released in November of 2012, but only managed to sell about 13.56 million systems. So that's what I was talking about with the Dreamcast. Um, the Wii U is a failed system, 13.56 million. It's, 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 it's not a good number of consoles to sell your literally making consoles just to lose money. You sell consoles at a loss anyways, but the Wii U just lost Nintendo a lot of money. But the Wii U still outsold what the Sega Dreamcast sold. It's still a failure, but it's less of a failure. Um, Console came with a unique controller. It was basically mixed with a standard controller you would find with like the PS3 and the Xbox 360. But it also was a tablet. So, everybody knows about the Wii U gamepad. It was a big, bulky punk of plastic with a screen in the middle, but it also had a D-pad and two analog sticks and bumpers. Um, bad advertising. People conf- people were confused if it was an add-on to the original Wii. Honestly, the first time I saw a Wii U trailer, I did think it was an add-on to the Wii. I was like, Mom, Mom, can we can we get this Wii U, this tablet Wii U thing? I I want to play Wii Golf with this. <laughs> like, I, even I was confused about what a Wii U was. I'm like, oh my gosh, they added an HDMI port to the original Wii. Let's go. No. I thought they would have been better off doing that, honestly, just making a Wii HD. But this whole tablet thing... Because, you know, the Wii had a lot of accessories, right? It had the Wii Fit and it had, like, all those controller attachments. So, honestly, who wouldn't get confused? Especially with the name, Wii U. Like, I know you go from the Xbox to the Xbox 360 or the PlayStation 1, 2, and 3, but, you know, they're, 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 
You could tell them apart. Wii to Wii U? It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Um, Nintendo was also the main one producing games for it. Like, third parties, third parties were there at the beginning. And then, like, a year later, they just kind of ran off and did their own thing. Like, you know, Assassin's Creed, this was the first platform Assassin's Creed. This was the first Nintendo platform console that Assassin's Creed released on. And, you know, you had 1080p graphics that could do 60 frames while the gamepad did 480p. But the gamepad would also, you know, support most of the games. And the developers just didn't know how to do it. There was games that would release on either PS3 and Xbox 360 or PS4 and Xbox One that would later, later, like months later, get a Wii U port that would be not as good. Like, you know, it had some games. Like, the first-party games, like I said, were fun. And a lot of those Wii U first-party games later came out on Switch and definitely outsold the, the Wii U counterpart. It is a fantastic console to mod. You could play up to Wii games on there. Because um, the Wii U is basically a more... Like how the Wii was. The Wii was basically a more powerful GameCube that could also play GameCube games. The Wii U is a more powerful Wii. All those those three systems, those three systems are pretty close to spec. They just boosted off the other. So you could, if you mod a Wii U, you could play GameCube games full speed, and Wii game Wii games are already backwards compatible. And then you know, if, if we get to GameCube, you could obviously play. You could obviously play PlayStation 1 and 64. You could even play Nintendo DS games. And it worked like a charm on the Wii U because of its two-screen features. So, if the Wii U was successful, I believe we would have gotten Nintendo Switch years later than what we did. So, thank you for Wii U. Thank you to Wii U for failing so we can get the Switch sooner is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> awesome. So now with all those segments we've gone through, um, let's go back a little bit. So Multiverses, July, best-selling game. Embracer Group Acquisition Galore. Obscure Sega games turning into movies. Sounds fun. Death Stranding heading to Game Pass. Toys for Bob. Give me more Spyro. Um, yeah, thank you guys for hanging out with me, though. Um, but now it is time to unwind the mind with some fun facts of the week. Did you know snails take the longest naps with some lasting as long as three years? I wish I had a time to nap. I don't have time to nap no more. These nails just do nothing. These snails just do nothing all day. And they just have the audacity to sleep for three years. Tis, 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 nails. Tis, tis. Second fun fact. The average person spends two weeks of their life. This is not a fun fact. Why did I put this on here? More like a freaking drag fact. The average person spends two weeks of their life waiting at traffic lights. Now that's just sad. I hate traffic lights. I hate traffic. Once it hits five o'clock, ain't no way I'm heading out the house. There's no freaking way. I don't know why I put that as fun facts. That was that was a whack fact. All right. Next up, trick questions of the week. Um, last week, I asked you guys three questions. So here they are. 
if you guys don't remember. If you threw a red rock into a green sea, what would it come back as? The answer is wet. If you drew a rock into a green sea, it will come wet because the water is wet. Next up, if you were running a race and passed a person in second place, what place would you be in now? This one was pretty easy. It wasn't too hard. I'm pretty sure most of you got it. So if you were running a race and passed a person in second place, you would be in second place because you passed this person in second place. Not too hard. Last question from last week. What moves faster, heat or cold? So the answer to that would be heat because you can always catch a cold. <laughs> uh, you, know, you guys don't like that one. Whatever I do. Um, for this week's questions, I want you guys to think about these very, very, very carefully and come back to me. Question one. An electric train is moving north at 100 miles per hour and a wind is blowing to the west at 10 miles per hour. Which way? Does the smoke blow? Question two. What has a head and a tail but no body parts? Third question. Is it legal for a man living in North Carolina to be buried in South Carolina? If you guys got those answers, post um in the comment section below on whatever platform you can post comment sections down below. My name is Epic Soup. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I'll see you guys next week for more of the punchline. Epic Soup is out.